Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOE FM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this show is to help change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well, so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you're stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Today, I'm happy to be with Donna Lugar, Nova Scotia representative of the Canadian Lyme Disease Foundation and she heads also up the local Lyme disease support group. Welcome, Donna, to the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very honored to have you here. And a uh, question I always ask is, how did you get to into Lyme disease? And I know you're very knowledgeable about it. I'm Well, I'm very um, tenacious, I guess, in my research. But mm-hmm. in probably early 2000, 2001, my health started to decline. And um, I went several years without any diagnosis, going to a variety of doctors, going for a variety of tests. Nothing really was being diagnosed uh, in early 2013. Um, I had one little diagnosis, which didn't quite make sense for me. Uh, to me, it was like a TMJ, which was like a lock, lock jaw or whatever. And, you know, there was the suggestion I was grinding my teeth, but my teeth weren't worn down. My husband wouldn't hear anything at night as far as that. And um, I did get a bite plate and uh, it didn't resolve the issue. So I, I just started doing some research and, uh, you know, kind of put symptoms online and out came Lyme disease. And I found the Canadian Lyme Disease Foundation. They have a symptom list and I checked off everything that applied. Had over 40 symptoms at the time that were listed on that list. And uh, I kind of just had a, an aha moment and uh, went to my GP and uh, went for the the test that they do here and uh, came back negative. Anyway, since that time, I've done a lot more research. I've had some some treatment by a doctor that used to practice in Nova Scotia, but I found very quickly upon my aha moment that there were many people in my, maybe not immediate circle, but that were somehow related to me uh, or connected to me that uh, had already been dealing with Lyme as well. And it just became very, I just became very aware that it's, it's not rare in this province. It's not hard to get and it's not easy to treat. There were a lot of people at various stages. One person had uh, required a pacemaker. Uh, other people had uh, left the province, left the country for treatment. So I, I realized at that time that this is, wow, this is quite um, an unbelievably unknown illness. Um, and more awareness was required, more information was required. And I just kind of took it a, uh, on as almost like a job mm. that, uh, you know, I needed to try to do more to let people know that it is it is a big issue in this province. And I'm happy to talk a little bit more about 
that with you because my husband had his own experience with Lyme disease. He came one day out of his shower in 2006 and had a ring on his uh, uh, thigh. And as a dermatologist in Germany, I knew, I told him, that's Lyme disease, we have to get you antibiotic. And what a fight I had to get him what he needed. So I, I, I hear where you're coming from. If I hadn't fought for him, he would have never got it. And I think still the doctors, some doctors here are not very aware of Lyme disease and that it does not always go ahead with it. So tell us a little bit about the symptoms and how do people get it? Is it, is it just the ticks, as we are told, the black-legged deer ticks? Well, you know, there's there's a lot of research going on. And uh, there's research over in Europe that they're, you know, they have found the the bacteria in mosquitoes, but they haven't proven that it's actually been able to transmit to to people yet. So right now, as far as in Nova Scotia is concerned, black-legged ticks are are the the issue. We don't know anymore at this point. Mm. Um, the symptoms vary from person to person, and that's basically where the the issue is. Uh, if you don't present with the stereotypical bullseye rash, or if you don't see the tick bite, it's very difficult to get a diagnosis. And it's very actually quite rare to get the stereotypical bullseye rash. And it's almost like we, we say, oh, you've won the lottery if you get that, because that's a definitive diagnosis. Um, but the majority of people I speak to on a day-to-day -day basis, they never saw the tick bite. They never saw the bullseye rash. Now, they may have had it, but it could have been on their back or somewhere where they didn't see. It could have been under their hair. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with, with that, it, it's if you don't have those, then you're, it gets very problematic because the symptoms are then very similar to many other illnesses. You know, like they're flu-like, there's um, aches and pains, there's, you know, a, could be stiff neck. There could be a, a lot of different things. And as I said, the one person uh, that I know of that required a pacemaker, that was their only symptom. The heart was the only symptom they had. They didn't have any of the other ones at all. So it does get very difficult. Doctors are not over overly aware of the variety of symptoms available and it's it's very hard and i think also many doctors are not aware that patients travel all over the world and not necessarily remember getting bit by a tick. Exactly. And I mean, and ticks in other areas carry different things. So we just, the knowledge isn't there. I mean, in Nova Scotia alone, we're, we're aware of about four or five different co-infections that have been found in ticks. Mm -hmm. But if you ask a doctor, most of them, I'm going to say, you know, over 90% of them would not have a clue what you're talking about if you start talking about the variety of co-infections like the Bartonella and the Rickettsia and Papesia and yeah. Yeah, they, they mm. just don't know what you're talking about. And sometimes even infectious disease specialists won't at least uh, tell publicly about all the different diseases because they don't want the people to get upset. I don't know if it's mm. that they don't want to get them upset or even they themselves aren't aware of everything that is here. Mm. Our, our Nova Scotia uh, Tick-Borne Disease Responses Plan does mention a couple of the possible co-infections, but uh, Dalhousie's doing research and they've come up with uh, a few more that have never made it as far as I know of, mm -hmm. have never made it in the tick-borne diseases responses, response plan, hasn't made it online. So it's information that Dalhousie has and knows, but it's not out there for the public. So they, mm -hmm. they discovered that over approximately 70% of ticks that they tested, and that's not just black-legged ticks, that's also dog ticks, carry um, around 70% carry Bartonella, hmm. and about 30% are carrying Rickettsia. 
you don't see that information anywhere. So we, this research being is being done, but the information is not getting out to the general public. Mm-hmm. And I know they don't want to make the general public all upset and scared of going outside because that's not good either. Uh, so what would you recommend from your knowledge? What do people really do to prevent getting bit by a tick? What makes sense? They, you know, they, they say tuck your pants in your socks and do all that. But I mean, it, as soon as weather gets nice in Nova Scotia, Nova Scotians start to take their clothes off. Um, they enjoy the heat. They enjoy being outside. So, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, if you're in tick areas, which is basically anywhere in Nova Scotia now, mm. you just, you know, keep brushing yourself off while you're out in a boat, shake your hair and your head and keep on doing that. And then when you do get home, um, you can take your clothes off, throw them in the dryer at high heat and that'll kill the ticks, ticks on it. But jump in the shower and uh, wash off any ticks that may not yet be attached and then do thorough tick checks. I mean, really, we have to start making that a very routine daily event if we spend any time outside. They're here. They're here to stay. Mm. They can't terrify us. We need to still enjoy life. We still need to go outside and do our gardening and yes. and, uh, and and having fun. But we do have to start taking them seriously. Um, you know, it's not Lyme isn't just a rash and flu-like symptoms. It's uh, it, it can progress to so much more. So yeah. we, we just have to take care of ourselves. I agree. And it's not just, as you said, the Lyme disease, it's associated diseases that also can make you quite sick and are not easily recognized. And I know myself, if you don't do the tick check thoroughly and even run your fingers through the hair, the ticks might be right there. Because one night I was ready to go to sleep and for some reason I brushed through my hair and I found a tick. And I thought, oops, didn't pay attention because all I did was go out in the garden, pick something up and went back in the house. But there were trees and probably I bent down and the ticks usually don't go high in trees, but they go up on our chicken coop. We found them there on, on the roof. Oh, wow. Waiting to go down. They must have gone, crawled up the side. So there's lots about ticks, I think, that we don't really realize they do. <laughs> well, exactly. And I mean, they could have fallen off birds up there as well. So it's, it's difficult. I mean, you could, mm. you can do just about anything to your yard. And there's a lot of things you can do to your yard to, to reduce the amount of ticks. But, you know, if a bear, a bird flies in and, and, uh, feeds on, bugs in your yard they could drop a tick or two and so you just there's no way to totally prevent it yeah and i think that as you said there shouldn't be panic about it and you don't spray chemicals all over you and your kids and the lawn it doesn't really do some the ticks will get resistant against it eventually and i feel that's a good good tip to really every time you were outside go in and check everything put the clothes in the dryer and because it, it, it happens, and it happened to me too. I didn't put the clothes in the dryer, and I sat in the living room chair, and there was something crawling on my arm, and it was a tick. Hey. Yes, it's, it's, it's quite, uh, quite a thing, and you really do have to yeah. um, just be always aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and not panic because they're just little bugs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that very much. And uh, uh, I would like to go a little bit more into what actually are symptoms that should lead you to suspect that you might have uh, Lyme disease or associated disease and how to get tested for it properly. That we go in the second half. But I just want to know what would get somebody to say, hmm, maybe I should consider it. And then we'll talk about in the second half where they should go and what should be done. 
Well, I mean, the biggest thing, uh, especially as it has progressed, or if it has progressed, the symptoms tend to come and go. Um, one day you might have a left knee issue. The next day you might have a right elbow issue. Um, one day your vision may be a little bit off, or you might have, you know, a stiff neck one day. It's, it's, it, they come and go, and each day you just don't really know which symptom is going to be. And that's as it has progressed a, a bit. Mm-hmm. As I said, you know, initial symptoms are flu-like and, and a possible rash. Um, but a lot of people think if they don't get a rash, you know, they they're fine, mm-hmm. that they're covered, and, but not everybody gets a rash. So Yeah. What about fatigue? Do feel people tired when they are for the infection or not so much? Uh, they can. As I said, everybody, again, mm-hmm. is different. Some people are extremely fatigued, and other people are, you know, it comes a go again. Um, I really do feel for the doctors because it is a difficult there are difficult illnesses to to diagnose if you aren't looking at everything at once. Mm-hmm. And many of our doctors in Nova Scotia um, look at things one symptom at a time, and they try to treat one symptom at a time rather than mm-hmm. looking at the whole picture. And that's where we really need to have changes in our, our the way we look at this because it's a multi-systemic illness. All of the t- uh, co-infections are multi-systemic. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. really need to look at all of them together yes. and look at the full picture yeah. and not just not just one symptom at a time. And that is so important. So basically everybody that has aches and pains and maybe get told it's all in your head, maybe it isn't. Maybe you should get a second opinion from an integrative or functional or a physician that is also a naturopath or something like that. And uh, in, in, and then go forward and get the right tests. And we will talk about more about that the second half. Okay. So... This brings us to the end of the first half of today's broadcast here on 97.5 CIOE FM Community Radio. Please tune in after the commercial break for more about Lyme disease with Donna Luger. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOE FM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and today I'm talking with Donna Lugar about Lyme disease. And that is a very necessary topic and has to be made more public about that it's so common, really, and associated tick-borne diseases, and you're a specialist for that. And you told me in the break that there's a conference coming up in uh, May 5th, I think. Saturday, May 5th. Tell us about that. It's uh, Saturday, May 5th. It's our second annual Lyme Information Awareness event. And uh, it's at uh, Ondachi Hall in Delhaz University from 2 to 6 p.m. And we have some great speakers. Uh, We have Dr. Vet Lloyd from Mount Allison University. We have Andrew Hebda from the Museum of Natural History. We have teams from Dalhousie uh, University that will be uh, showing some of their uh, 
recent research. And our keynote speaker is going to be very exciting. It's uh, Mary Beth Pfeiffer. Uh, she's a journalist in the, the States, and she has recently written a book, which comes out in April, called Lyme, The First Epidemic of Climate Change. And uh, I think it'll be very eye-opening, some of the things that she has to say and what's mm-hmm. in her book. And she will have um, a book signing at the event, end of the event as well. Mm-hmm. So it should be very informative. Mm-hmm. As I said, uh, Andrew Webb, Hebda is very um, knowledgeable about the ticks and where they are, and and uh, the Dr. Vet Lloyd, of course, is one of our most eminent uh, Lyme uh-huh. aware people in uh, in the Atlantic provinces. So it should be a very interesting event. Yeah, and I recommend everybody that's interested in the topic to attend that. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about you. What should people do to get diagnosed if they feel they might have Lyme disease? Well, um, there is a test that's done in Canada and in Nova Scotia. It's not 100% accurate, but you, you can ask for it. And it's the ELISA or ELISA, it's E-L-I-S-A. Um, that is the first test, and that is done here. It's just blood test. And uh, if that test comes back um, positive or equivocal, your blood is then sent out to Winnipeg for a Western blot. So that's a confirmatory test. Um, so... As I said, the, the ELISA has, has sensitivity and specificity limitations, and there are a so variety what does of it reasons. Mean? There's a variety of reasons why it might come back as a false negative. Okay. Um, it could be too early, in your, and the antibodies have not formed yet because it's an antibody test. Um, it usually takes four to six weeks for antibodies to form after the mm-hmm. bite. Uh, and in some people, it even takes longer, or they don't even form them. Uh, it could be a different type of bacteria that you've picked up. There are at least two that are in uh, Nova Scotia, and only one of them, the Borrelia burgdorferi, is the only one that the test actually picks up. The other one, and mm-hmm. I, please excuse my pronunciations for some of these words, That's but fine. the Borrelia miyamotoi, mm-hmm. um, that has been found in ticks in Nova Scotia, but it isn't picked up in that test. Mm-hmm. So it's a different bacteria. It's uh, too early. Um, and I've also read in the um, Canadian Adverse Reaction newsletter about Lyme disease test kits that um, if you've had antibiotics, it can also affect the, the test. So there's a variety of reasons why it might be a false negative. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and false negative means that you really have Lyme disease, but the test comes back and the doctor tells you you don't. Exactly. I mean, there's actually a law in a couple of the states in the in the U.S. that doctors have to tell their patients if their test comes back negative, it does not necessarily mean you, you don't have Lyme disease. Interesting. Good to know. So what really is, is there a definitive test that uh, proves for once and for all that you do have it? Um not that's done, undertaken in Canada right now. So there are, you know, other labs that uh, do a better quality test. Uh, there are a variety of different tests, but in Canada, we only mm-hmm. do those two tests, unfortunately. Um, naturopaths may have a few different tests that they may try as well, but uh, you have to pay for those out of pocket, mm. of course. So. Well, many people that have... Uh diseases that last for a longer time get so desperate they don't care they go to the states to get tested yes so it would be probably a good idea to talk to you or someone from your organization first to see what 
what really they are looking for. Well, exactly. And I mean, we do have um, private labs. Uh, there's one in Germany, uh, Armin Labs. There's one in um, California, Igenex. A lot of people do utilize those labs to, to obtain a diagnosis. However, um, doctors here do not accept that information. They don't uh, believe that these labs are accurate. Mm. Uh, they're giving too many, um, well, they call them false positives. But they're giving a lot of positives. So, if you have those tests done, you won't be able to take them to your doctor and say, look, I have a definitive test because they're just going to say, I don't, I don't believe in that test. So it's, it's money coming out of your pocket. Um, and it's really for your own information mm-hmm. or that your, your naturopaths may, mm-hmm. um, be interested in it. Or if you go to what they call a Lyme literate medical doctor, they sometimes require mm-hmm. the testing. However, most of the Lyme literate medical doctors just diagnose you based on your symptoms yeah yeah well i know in the beginning antibiotics can cure most cases of lyme disease Uh, what is the treatment for later stages when it doesn't have when it hasn't been caught in the beginning or it was not long enough to cause the wrong antibiotic or it just didn't work well that's a controversial uh, answer. I mean, a lot of people believe you need to take long-term antibiotics, mm-hmm. but even those don't necessarily work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, there's people out there trying any number of things to try to get well. Even recent research suggests that um, the standard antibiotics that are used, like doxycycline and mm-hmm. amoxicillin, they don't eradicate all of the Borrelia. They actually leave some that... Uh, are still in your body. Mm-hmm. So you would want your immune system to be able to fight the remaining bacteria. But right. because your immune system has been depleted, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. So, you know, certainly naturopaths and alternative yes. healthcare, mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to build up your, your immune system so that your body can actually fight um, the resultant bacteria. Mm-hmm. So as I said, the, it's, it's not a cut and dried answer. There's so many different, uh, treatment protocols out there, even amongst the variety of Lyme literate doctors. They do different things and they do different supplements uh-huh. along with or instead of the antibiotics. So unfortunately, at this time, we really don't know what standard, and I don't think there ever will be a standard treatment uh-huh. because uh-huh. every person I've spoken to, um, has different symptoms. Uh-huh. Um, even if it's if it's just Lyme, not well, I'll say just Lyme disease, but they may have different sy- sy- um, symptoms because yeah. of how their body has reacted to the bacteria, where the bacteria went in their body. Um, some people, their joints will be extremely affected because the, the bacteria went right to their joints. Uh-huh. Maybe because they already had a pre-existing condition in those joints that and the bacteria heads right towards those problem areas apparently and it's, it's always an interplay of disposition infection and the immune system exactly it's and, a total yeah and it's very interesting because Lyme disease as a spirochetal disease like syphilis is one of the big chameleons of medicine that was syphilis and still is to a certain amount and Lyme disease is very much more prevalent nowadays and syphilis, uh, sexually transmitted disease. Exactly. And there is research to su- suggest, it hasn't been fully confirmed yet, but that Lyme disease could be sexually transmitted. It can be cha- uh, transmitted from mother to fetus. It's So there's still a lot of research uh-huh. that needs to be undertaken. But there's... And it makes sense because 
Why shouldn't the same rules apply to this uh, spirochita that causes syphilis than to the Lyme disease producing? Exactly. And it's been around for millions of years, this bacteria. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, it it got its name Lyme in Lyme, Connecticut, because of the the group of children and people that had the the arthritis. Mm -hmm. But it's been around. It's been found in amber. It's been found in uh, the Otzi, the Iceman. It's been around for a long time. So a lot of our present-day autoimmune illnesses may have some background or basis in infections. In of infections, what kind of if it's if it's Lyme disease or other infections, that is very true, and I believe that too. And that's why a combined conventional and naturopathic uh, treatment often works the best. Yes, exactly. And I completely agree with that. And there should be more collaboration in the medical field. And yes, we're getting in politics a little bit about that. But I think there need to be more recognition that many patients nowadays are empowered. They learn about what could be and they expect answers from their doctor, not just, oh, it's all in your head. Exactly. And then I did get that mm. a few times. Yeah, I deal with many clients that get that. And usually it's something else. And that was great. Thank you so much for coming to today's show. It's a real pleasure to have you here. And uh, I hope that many people that feel that they have Lyme disease go to the website, uh, Canadian Lyme Disease Foundation, to look you up and get in contact. Go to the Lyme support group. I don't think you have to have Lyme disease to get there. No, not at all. It's open to everybody. So that is good. You have a group on Facebook too. What's it called? The uh, Facebook page that I have is Lyme disease in Nova Scotia and the Atlantic provinces. There's a few other things there. Mm-hmm. The next support group meeting, um, well, we meet every the second month Monday of every month. So, and we're in Bedford. Perfect. And this brings me to the end of today's show. Please don't hesitate to contact me with any questions, thoughts, comments, or suggestions. Or if you'd like to contact Donna. My email here is christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, at communityradio.ca, and I'm always grateful for feedback. I also want to extend a special thank you to today's producer, Jim Francis. Thanks, Jim. You're the best. You might not know this, but this is a volunteer-run non-profit radio station, and we even have an art gallery. If you're local, and if you'd like to drop in, we are at 11 Glendale Avenue, Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia. Thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon at on 97.5 CRE FM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next episode. Goodbye and have a great day.